Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the thanks. Giving Day episode of the Standing Room Spartans podcast, your Thursday edition, special Thanksgiving edition of the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, as always, Kevin Parker here. Uh, Hopefully, this is coming out the morning of Thanksgiving. I know Anchor, which is my uh, podcast software, basically, they're having some issues here as I'm recording on Wednesday. Uh, So hopefully, they get this cleared up. And I am able to uh, get this posted on time for you. Otherwise, a couple of these segments might be a little dated. Uh, but that's okay. We'll, we'll have some fun either way. I got some uh, Thanksgiving Day sp- uh, kind of uh, themed segments here. Uh, we've got some other stuff to touch up on as far as, uh, you know, a Mel Tucker press conference. And then we'll... Uh, go ahead and preview the Northwestern game this weekend. Finally, not a noon game, a 3.30 kick for, for you know the, the optimal football time, in my opinion. The 3.30 kickoff is always you know really that perfect spot between you know you still have uh, you can sleep in, you, you can you know do whatever you want in the morning. If your wife, your girlfriend wants to go out uh, and, and do some stuff in the morning, go out to the cider mill all that kind of stuff, um, you, you have some time to get that done before getting back, settling in for what should be a riveting 6-3 uh, to three matchup here against Northwestern. Uh, but we'll make sure we preview that game. Uh, we also had the first college football playoff rankings. Uh, I have some thoughts about it. Um, obviously, Michigan State not a part of these rankings, but... Um, I do have some some takes. I do have a couple thoughts. We'll get through that pretty quick. I won't spend too much time on it. But um, since we we are on the on the topic, there will be we, we kind of promised this on Twitter actually over the last week or so uh, because a, a conversation came up organically and uh, Scott and I were we're going back and forth. We we've I mean we've known this for a long time about each other because we argue about it constantly. Uh, We differ very (laughs) severely on the issue of expanding the college football playoff. Um, So we're actually going to dedicate a whole podcast episode to the great debate about college football playoff expansion. Uh, I am against expanding the college football playoff. I will tell you why in that episode Scott wants to expand it. He wants to get some more teams in there. Um, so we'll we'll definitely do that. I think it would be a lot of fun. We'll get you guys involved as much as we can. We'll we'll get your takes. We'll get your opinions, um, and incorporate that into the episode. Maybe we'll try to do something where you can leave like a voice memo, um, and we can put that audio into the podcast if if anybody wants to, you know, really try to give their take in a little bit more than just a tweet. Uh, but I, that'll be a lot of fun. But it's uh, that, that'll be coming either right at the end of this season before this season's college football playoff or just sometime in the offseason. We haven't really decided that, but uh, that's for sure coming. I, I guess since we're on it, we'll get that out of the way here. So the first college football playoff ranking was announced. Big news around the college football world. You have Alabama number one, Notre Dame number two, Clemson number three, Ohio State number four. 
Uh, if we're looking at the Big Ten teams, you have Ohio State, of course, number four. Northwestern, our opponent coming up here, checking in at number eight at 5-0. and uh, You have Indiana at number 12. They are 4-1 and with the one loss coming last weekend against Ohio State. Wisconsin at 2-1, and one, checking in at number 16, of course, having a couple games canceled. Uh, and then Iowa coming in at number 24, 3-2. and two. Uh, three wins the last three weeks, and they've been looking great. So uh, I think, you know, that was kind of a controversial one. But you look at their body of work the last three weeks, uh, they're, they're looking like they're playing some great football right now. Of course, the, the first two weeks you shouldn't ignore. But uh, there's something to be said about that. So we have, what is that, one, two, three, four, five teams in the Big Ten in the uh, college football playoff rankings. So it's interesting. I think... Ohio State being ranked a spot below Clemson is kind of what has the Big Ten world buzzing. Clemson losing a game to Notre Dame on the road with a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to get too beat up about it. They're both in there right now. I think that there's still going to be some movement, uh, obviously, as there's a lot of football to be played. Ohio State's only played four games. So, look, at the end of the day, um, the, these teams are going to jump around. Last year, the first initial college football playoff ranking, only two of those, uh, two of those four teams were in the original top four. So, plenty of stuff to be moved around. Um, obviously, one of the other big stories before we move on is is the group of five teams, University of Cincinnati. Uh, with Luke Fickle. They are 8-0. They are number 7 in the college football playoff rankings. That's actually the highest that a group of five team has ever been ranked in the, what is this, six years they've been doing this now. Uh, you had BYU at number 14. Um, that one has a bunch of people upset. They're 9-0. and uh, They just basically declined a game against Washington, which, uh, I don't know, I'll won't really dive too deep into that, but that kind of bothers me, rubs me the wrong way. Coastal Carolina at number 20, Marshall at number 21, Tulsa number 25. So some interesting teams in there. It's, it's fun to look at. It doesn't really mean a whole lot at this point. You know, at the end of the day, we know Alabama's going to be in there. We know Clemson's going to be in there. We know Ohio State's going to be in there. And at this point, with Notre Dame beating Clemson earlier this year, unless something drastically goes wrong with them, they lose two games down the stretch or something, which I don't really see happening. Uh, that's probably going to be your four teams, uh, you know. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. But uh, let's let's get out of the weeds there. Let's get into. Uh, we'll start with the Mel Tucker press conference. Just a couple notes to take away from that. I got a Thanksgiving Day uh, segment here, and then. We will have uh, we'll have our preview for the Northwestern game. So Mel Tucker press conference. One thing that really stood out. We'll get to this in a little bit as well. Um, he did emphasize the use of the transfer portal on his radio show. Um, that was an interesting kind of perspective because something is that we've talked about quite a bit here is finding a transfer portal quarterback um, and somebody that can come and bring some life into this position group. Uh, because we really have seen over the first, what, four games here that our quarterback of the future is probably not on the roster right now. And Hampton Fay, I, I, I like his tape. He looks like a good player, but he's certainly not going to be ready uh, as a true freshman. So we got to find somebody, um, and that might be bringing somebody in in the transfer portal. Um, and, and, of course, the way he said it made it sound like you know they're going to be exploring all the options at every position group. So we're we might be looking at some skill players. We might be looking at some DBs. Um, we might be looking at some defensive linemen. We we could certainly use once Naquan Jones is out out the door. I would love to find some offensive linemen as well. Those typically are not uh, the most transfer portal friendly position, but um, you know we'll see what we can find there. But that was an interesting uh, perspective because again we have been talking about that on the podcast here recently. So it was interesting to see Mel Tucker actually bring that to light. A um, couple notes as he, as he's kind of previewing this game, he said that this will be a normal week of practice, which was interesting. Obviously, this year with you know the COVID situation. Thanksgiving is a little bit different, uh, and he said basically the the team will have their normal practice on Thursday. They'll they'll do a little, 
you know, Thanksgiving thing in the film room or something, but, uh, you know, players aren't really going to be going home. They're, they're not going to be spending time with their families. So it's going to be a normal week of practice. So it's, it's a little bit weird for everybody. Uh, the football team included, uh, they, they were talking about on Saturday, what they did, right? They, they didn't have a game against Maryland. What did you guys do? Um, he said they had, they had a quite a normal practice. Uh, but the second half of it, was basically, the, and this was really interesting, the, the second and third string players and, and some of the freshmen basically all put the pads on and more or less had a scrimmage. Uh, it sounds like the starters weren't really involved. You know, you didn't have the, the veteran guys, Antoine Simmons, guys like that out there. Um, it was mostly depth players and young guys. But, you know, it gives the coaching staff a, a chance to, another chance to evaluate these young guys, you know. They're playing against each other. The the competition, uh, I'm sure, was pretty pretty heated. Uh, somebody asked him in the press conference if uh, if he was able to to speak on it a little bit more. Hey, who stood out? Were there any players that surprised you? Uh, not surprisingly, he didn't really say anything. Uh, he, he didn't really tip his hand there. But um, that was interesting just to hear what they did on Saturday with the unexpected bye week. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of a, an interesting approach, right? You get, you get the veteran starters, some rest, um, and you get these younger guys a chance to, you know, continue to compete and show the coaches that, that they might deserve a shot. Now I would like to see the offensive line out there, the starting unit out there, um, just to get as much time as they can together and get some cohesion because, man, that offensive line's been so bad. And the key to offensive line play is, is playing as a group, playing that whole five as one unit, as as one breathing heart. And the more reps that they can get together, the better, in, in my opinion. So that would be my one criticism of, of having this kind of structure for your practice on Saturday. I would like to see this offensive line get as many reps together as they possibly can. Uh, but I, I think that uh, all in all, I think it's a good idea. You know, get get the guys some rest that deserve it. They played four straight games against Big Ten opponents, uh, physical. Um, so I, I think it is good to have a little bit of a breather for some of those guys. But again, I would like to see the offensive line out there uh, getting some reps together. Uh, let's see here. They oh, the other thing before we we get into all this other stuff. Uh, very frustrating. Um, not surprising. I think we, we kind of predicted this. Uh, he was asked about the quarterback position. Of course, he said, uh, that it's an ongoing thing this week. He kept emphasizing competition, nothing set in stone. So look, I, I'm at the point where I'm probably expecting to see Rocky Lombardi back out there. Uh, you know, my thoughts about him, you know, my thoughts about that. If you've been listening, um, if, if you're new to the show, I'm not a fan of that approach. We'll, we'll just put it that way. I think that Peyton Thorne, while he didn't play great, I, I gave him a C-plus grade after his uh, performance last, last, last Saturday against Indiana now a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I didn't think he played great, but I think he played well enough to, to earn another, to earn a start. I shouldn't say another start, to earn a start and see what he can do with a full game um, and the confidence from the coaching staff, because that that's really my issue with this is you're not giving anybody confidence by doing this competition thing. And I, and I get it. I competition's important at every position. Um, and he's talked about, and Jay Johnson's talked about as well. You want your, your quarterback to be the most competitive dude on the roster. And I get that. Uh, the problem is you also want your quarterback to be confident that when he makes a bad play, that when he throws a bad pass, that you know he doesn't have somebody breathing down his neck constantly. So he's he's not able to play with that freedom, to play with that you know kind of mindset where you're just going out there and balling. So that that's kind of my issue with it. I would have liked to see Peyton Thorne at least just be named the starter this week, even if you just say it that way. Hey, Peyton, Peyton's our starter this week, and we'll evaluate afterwards. So that's that's fine. That at least gives him the opportunity to say, "All right, like this is my game, um, and, and I will be given chances to to make plays. I will be given chances to earn this job this week." Um, so I, I would have liked to hear that. Didn't really expect to hear that. But I think if, you know, if I were a head coach, it will never happen, of course. But if I were, that would 
that would have been my approach. I would have said, hey, Peyton's our guy this week. Uh, he played well enough last week. He showed us some things that you know we haven't had out there. Um, so we're going to give him a chance this week, and, and we'll you know make our evaluations in the future when that time comes. But um, as of this week, he's our guy, and we're preparing for him as our guy this week. You know, maybe there's some gamesmanship going on where they don't want to tilt their hand against Northwestern. I don't know. You know, these are two guys that bring a totally different play style to the table, right? So, you know, if if you're keeping Northwestern on their toes, having to prepare for uh, you know, whether it's Peyton Thorne, you're you're preparing for the running threat, you're preparing for some more kind of read option stuff, or whether it's Rocky Lombardi and you're you're pre- having to prepare for more, you know, maybe downfield passes. I don't know. Maybe there is some gamesmanship there, but I don't know. I would I would have liked to see that vote of confidence for Peyton Thorne this week, but didn't really expect it, and we didn't get it. So uh, I, I was trying to think, you know, some ways to incorporate Thanksgiving into this week, um, and, and it's you know it's it. There's a lot of cheesy stuff out there, and and this will probably be pretty cheesy too. Let's be honest, but um, I, I did come up with something. Uh, where we're just going to give you what we're most thankful for with Michigan State football right now because it's been rough. I know the one and three start shutout loss against Indiana, forty nine to seven against Iowa. It's been rough the past couple weeks, but there are some things to be thankful for, and I want to remind you of that. And my boys, the Gardening Kings group chat, also wants to remind you as well. So I, I, I'm going to reach out on Twitter after this, uh, but you know the the guys have been patient with me. Um, the the Twitter people, the Twitter folks, um, you know my guys Scott, Luke, you know everybody out there, you know who you are that that are constantly contributing to the show, and I, I of course really appreciate you, <clears throat> and, and I am very thankful for you. You know, sticking sticking to the theme here, but um, I, I think we're gonna do where I'll post the episode and then, uh, you know, we'll have you reply with, with what you are thankful for after you listen, before you listen, uh, for Michigan state football this year. But I have a couple things that I want to mention. Um, and I, I sent it out to our group chat, the, you know, we all graduated from Michigan state together as a, Hey guys, like what, what are we thankful for? Let's come up with a little list here. So I got some stuff from the guys as well. Uh, but we'll start with mine, of course, because I'm selfish and, and I, you know, uh, it's my podcast. I can go first. So there's six things, six things that that I am thankful for for Michigan State football in 2020. Number one is a defensive coaching staff that I truly, truly believe in. This is something that, you know, look, again, the Iowa game, it didn't look great. But all in all, the defense has played really well. They've been put in bad spots constantly by the offense, turning the ball over in, in bad field position. The special teams giving up bad field position. I mean, I feel like the defense has started damn near every drive on the 50-yard line, and that's so hard to do on a consistent basis. They're being forced to go out there, you know, stop a long drive, and then the offense goes out, throws a throws an interception on the second play, and they have to go right back out there. They've been put in tough spots all year, and they've held it together. And I think I credit a lot of this to the defensive coaching staff, and it's a coaching staff that I think is is building for really building for something in the future. And I, I'm really thankful for this defensive coaching staff. So you have, if we're including Mel Tucker in this. <clears throat> You have a defensive head coach in Mel Tucker. You have our defensive coordinator, Scotty Hazleton. Our defensive line coach, Ron Burton. Our linebackers coach, Ross Ells. Our corners coach, cornerback coach, Harlan Barnett. And our safeties coach, Mike Tressel. Between those guys, you have 31 years of defensive coordinating across different levels. The NFL, Power 5, Division 2. You have 31 years combined in that meeting room uh, of defensive coordinating uh, between those guys. So it's just, I, I think when you look at that, if, if there's one or two things that I'm really confident in about this Michigan State football team and the future of this Michigan State football team, it's that this defensive coaching staff, they didn't have a whole lot of time uh, to put everything in place to start this year. 
but we got to we're, we're when we're looking ahead to next year, we're going to have a full year of tape uh, on all of our players. We're going to have a full year of tape on all of our opponents and we're going to have a whole off season together to get this thing figured out and I really believe that this staff has the chops, has the experience, has has just the football minds to get together in a room over the off season and really put together something great. Um, so I, I'm, you know, there's a lot of holes that are going to be left on this roster, but I think that especially on the defensive side of the ball, you know, these guys are certainly capable capable of figuring this thing out. Second thing I am thankful for is a young group of skill position players that are pretty darn exciting. You're obviously going to start this with, you know, the wide receivers. You have Jalen Naylor, who's played really well and has a couple years of eligibility left. The last episode, I, I said that he was my offensive MVP right now, averaging, what, 22 yards a catch, 21 and a half yards a catch. You have Jaden Reed coming in from Western Michigan, making an impact right away. Um, leading the team in receptions, 20 catches, 216 yards, a couple touchdowns. You have Ricky White exploded out of nowhere in the Michigan game. Had the best Michigan game since Plexico Burris. This is not even including guys like Trey Mosley, who we were all really excited for, who just hasn't been able to get on the field. He's been hurt. Trayvon Morgan, same way. You know, six foot seven wide receiver, just you know, has been dealing with some injuries, hasn't been able to get out on the field. So this this young group of skill players, and you even include a guy like, you know, he's coming onto the scene a little bit in Jordan Simmons, a true freshman running back with even after this year, four more years of eligibility. And he's at least shown some ability of being a, a quality Big Ten running back. So um, whatever happens with this quarterback, position we've talked about this being a potentially attractive option for a transfer portal kid and and part of that is because there is a young base of skill position players to distribute the ball to and that can be pretty exciting here you know we're we're running out of things to be excited and happy about with this offense but let's not forget about this group of skill players and I'm quite thankful for these guys the next thing I am I'm very very thankful for is Antoine Simmons. This guy is is a joy to watch on the defensive side of the ball. This he's an absolute treat. He's my favorite linebacker to watch play the game at Michigan State since Greg Jones. And we've had some great ones. We've had Max Bola, we've had Riley Bola, we've had Joe Bocci. These guys were awesome players. Denikos Allen, awesome player. So much fun to watch him getting after the quarterbacks, getting into the backfield. Uh, we've had some great players, man. But Antoine Simmons is all over the field, pass pass coverage, run run game, blitzing the quarterbacks. This this dude does it all at such a high level, and for a team that he knows isn't very good. He, him being the senior leader on this team is so impactful. And I, I hope that he realizes how important he is to this team because look, he's going to be gone next year. He's, he's going to be a second or third round pick in the NFL draft. I really do believe that, but what he brings to this locker room on a day-to-day basis, what he shows on the field on a week to week basis that rubs off on people. His energy, his leadership, that rubs off on people, man. And we talk about a guy like Devin Hightower, a true freshman linebacker um, who I think has a lot of talent. He sees that every single day. He spends every single day with Antoine Simmons in the film room, in the weight room, in the practice field, watching this dude prepare, watching this dude go after his business. And that is so impactful to the rest of this defense, to the rest of this football team. When you have a senior leader like that, who's not only doing the work in the off season, not only doing the work in the film room during the week, not only doing the work in the practice field, but when he gets out there on game day, he's lights out. Uh, he's one of the top tacklers in the big 10 this year, even without, you know, that Iowa game, he was hurt. You know, he's had double-digit tackles in every single game except for the Iowa game where he was kind of in and out of the of the lineup. 
And that's another thing, man. He's he's out there willing to play injured for this one and three football team, man. I just I'm so thankful to have him out there. I'm so thankful to have him a part of this Michigan State football team. And I'm I'm so excited to see, you know, what he can do at the next level because I, I think this kid's great. I really think he's He's got he's got the whole package, and if he was two inches taller, he'd be a first round pick. Uh, so I, I really just thankful for the time that we have with him, man, because uh, he could have packed it up this year. He could have said, "Man, you know what? This team's not very good. This team's young. There's a new head coach. I don't know this guy. He doesn't know me." Uh, but he he embraced it. He he has seemed from from all accounts. He's really embraced the new philosophies, the new coaching styles and everything, and and he's taken that leadership role to heart. So Antoine Simmons, he's, he's obviously making an impact on the field here this year, uh, but once he's gone next year, I, I think you know his impact is, is far from gone because you know all the young guys on this roster watch this dude approach every single day. Um, the next thing I am, I am thankful for is Kevin Wigginton. And Kevin Wigginton, he's he's an offensive line recruit here in the in the 2021 class. He's not even on campus yet. And you might think, why, well, why are we thankful for Kevin Wigginton? He hasn't even signed his letter of intent. He's not he's not a four star guy. No, he's not. But he's a damn good football player. I'll tell you that from from what I saw on tape. And number two, uh, you know, Kevin Wigginton, he's from the great state. Uh, the the mediocre state the well garbage state of new jersey but you know who else is in new jersey these two four-star kids gino vandemark and audric estimate two guys that kevin wigginton helped recruit to michigan state two guys that uh, kevin wigginton is hopefully going to keep <laughs> in east lansing and hold their commitments to michigan state but uh you know his impact in the recruiting game has been huge for us um, so Kevin Wigginson doing a great job out there, being a part of the recruiting staff. Um, but I also think he's going to be a damn good football player as well. So Kevin Wigginson is another thing that I'm thankful for here. Um, two more things that I got, and we'll turn it to to what the guys said in the group chat. Um, we have uh, the the last thing, one of the last two things I'm thankful for is the transfer portal. I won't beat this thing up too much. We already talked about it quite a bit, but I am thankful for the for the opportunity to go find a quarterback in some other fashion than just recruiting or or having to pick from one of these guys on the roster. I'm very thankful that the transfer portal exists and that we are able to potentially utilize it to get our next quarterback. It has also landed us Jaden Reed, one of those skill position players that I mentioned earlier. So I am very thankful for the transfer portal. The last thing I am thankful for is the Halloween game, is the day on Halloween Day where we went into Ann Arbor and just beat the hell out of the Michigan Wolverines because that makes whatever else happens this season, um, you know, just a blip on the radar, man. We 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 went in, we, we own the rivalry, Paul Bunyan's in East Lansing, and I am so thankful for that because dealing with this year, in addition to a loss to Michigan, would make it a lot more difficult. But every single week that goes by, every single bad loss that goes by, every time that we get shut out, every time that we score seven points and give up 49, we can remember Halloween. We can remember Ricky White. We can remember Antoine Simmons in the end zone batting down that pass. We can remember Connor Hayward uh, heading over to the pylon. And we can remember beating them Michigan Wolverines. So I am very thankful for that. It's getting me through every single week here. Uh, turning to the group chat, the Gardening Kings, they came out in full force. They gave me some stuff of what they are thankful for here. We'll start with TJ. He is thankful for an excellent cardiovascular exercise every Saturday from the comfort of my couch. I'm sure a lot of people out there can relate to that. Uh, the the anger, the excitement, whatever it might be, getting a nice little cardiovascular uh, exercise there. Um, so TJ is very thankful for that. Sean McGahey, he's going, uh, you know, going a little sappy here, but you know, we we have to mention, of course, because there are a couple of the gardening kings. There are a couple of guys in our group chat that are out there on the front lines, and Sean mentions that he is thankful for the healthcare professionals in this group 
out there on the front lines. We got a couple guys in different one, you know, one fashion or another. We have the doc who who's doing our Twitter picks every week with us. Uh, who's actually picking the games quite well for somebody who's busy, you know, out there on the front lines of this COVID stuff. So Sean, uh, we, we do appreciate that. Keen, uh, let's see what's Keen got for us. I'm thankful that Rocky showed me that no matter how many times you make the same mistake, you can always make it again. That's a powerful lesson, people. It's a powerful lesson. Something you have to teach your kids, something you have to, you know, impart our wisdom. No matter how many times you make the same mistake, you can always make it again. We can always thank Rocky Lombardi for showing us that message. Uh, Nudie Fish. Nudie Fish. uh, Mason, he's thankful for jet sweeps, QB and wide receiver misreads, underthrown passes, and running it on third and long. Um, so Nudie Fish is being a, a smartass here. He's thankful for the jet sweeps, the QB wide receiver misreads that we've seen oh so many times. Oh, the underthrown passes, the the running it up the gut on third and eighteen. Uh, Nudie's also thankful for the memories, um, and he posted the Weezer song "Memories" that we all remember. Uh, let's see, Marshall, I'm just thankful for hope again after the D'Antonio Dark Ages and for not being the worst team in the state this year. And that's just, oh, that's a beautiful thing that we can still say that. That this bad football team, this 1-3 in three football team can still say, hey, Michigan, you know where Paulie B's at? He's in East Lansing, baby. That's right, we're not the worst team in the state this year. We might be the second worst team in the state you know, Western Michigan's look pretty good. Central Michigan's look pretty good in action, but we're certainly not the worst. Um, Keen, also thankful for MSU Sports, giving him a reason to burn a couch. We are all always thankful for that. Whenever you need to get rid of an old couch, you know, there's no better way than taking it right on down to Cedar Village and hosting that bonfire. Uh, let's see, what else do we got? Uh, Nudie Fish is thankful that we will never be Michigan. Uh, Keen is thankful that our colors will never be maize and blue. Uh, and also thankful that Mel Tucker doesn't wear khakis. Uh, I think we can all appreciate some of these things. Um, so, you know, just wanted to, uh, give the gardening Kings, our group, me a shout out. We have, we have all started gardening basically since, uh, the COVID hit. So we, we have renamed the group chat to the gardening Kings, uh, everybody's constantly posting pictures of their obnoxious vegetables, mostly Sean. You know, I would say he's the main culprit of, of posting his, his potato or, or shallot, you know, crop. And, you know, I would say we, we care for like a total of eight seconds. So I'll give you that. But that's what we're thankful for here. So uh, as you're listening to this, go ahead and reply on Twitter. What are you thankful for? For this Michigan State football team, you can find me, of course, on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. Leave me a comment under the post uh, of this episode and, and let us know what you are thankful for. Um, is it something on the roster? Is it something in the coaching staff? My parents have said that they are thankful that they do not have to spend um, their usual couple hundred dollars on their season tickets this year. You know, that that's something that... I think maybe a lot of people listening to this can relate to, man. Season tickets are damn expensive, and uh, watching a 1-3 football team is not so good when you're paying a lot of money to do so. So getting a, getting to watch this bad football from the comfort of our couch, uh, I know my parents are thankful for that, uh, and I am as well. So uh, that that'll... Again, reply. Let me know what you think. What are you thankful for for this MSU football season, uh, for this MSU football team, whatever the case may be. Um, So let's uh, get into this Northwestern preview, and we will wrap this thing up. Northwestern, of course, again, like I mentioned, they're number eight in the the inaugural, I guess, the the inaugural 2020 college football playoff rankings. They're 5-0 coming off a huge win against Wisconsin, a game that I predicted Northwestern to win. I won't toot my own horn too much there, but they were seven and a half point underdogs. I predicted the outright win because Pat Fitzgerald, that's just what he does. 5-0 and start uh, with a 43-3 to win against Maryland. 
Um, that was when I, everybody, including and especially myself, thought Maryland sucked. Um, turns out they're they're not so bad. But Northwestern beat the hell out of them, forty three to three. They went into Iowa week two, came out with a twenty one to twenty win. Nebraska, they had an eight point win against Nebraska, seven point win against Purdue, and a ten point win last weekend uh, in I think it was in Evanston, in Illinois. Uh, in uh, Chicago, at Northwestern, at Ryan Field against the Wisconsin Badgers, a team that was a top-10 team going into that week. So, uh, man, look, this is this is a damn good football team. And we'll get into some stats that are, I think, a little bit misleading about Northwestern, but it's just a good football team. It's a well-coached football team, and it's, it's an experienced football team. Mel Tucker talked about in his press conference, like, Man, this team is starting juniors and seniors like across the board. They're barely playing any underclassmen because it's it's just an experienced football team. Their their linebacking core has been together for like fifteen years. Man, it's it's crazy. So, some of the stats to keep an eye on. Some of the important stats in this matchup. Uh, if we're looking on the offensive side of the ball, neither of us are are particularly strong. Northwestern is tenth in the conference in scoring at just under 26 points a game we are last by by some margin here at 15 points a game uh, if we're looking at the passing stats they uh northwestern that is 11th in the conference just under 200 yards a game michigan state at about 250 rushing yards per game northwestern right in the middle of the pack there at number eight in the conference 144 yards per game on the ground michigan state dead last at 73 Yards per carry, uh, Northwestern down to number 10. Uh, they're only running for 3.5 yards a carry, 3.4 yards a carry. That's something we'll talk about here in a second. It's just they run the ball a lot. They they run the ball more than most teams in the Big Ten. They're fifth in the conference and basically tied with Illinois for fourth in the conference in rushing attempts per game. And they are eighth in in rushing yards. They they run it a lot. They don't run it too successfully though, which is is very interesting. Um, if we're looking at total offense, Northwestern and Michigan State are number thirteen and number fourteen in the conference here, um, respectively. Yards per play, you're looking at about the same story. Michigan State number thirteen, Northwestern number fourteen. So they just flip flop a little bit there. Um, so really two offenses that aren't very dynamic. They aren't very explosive. If you look at, um, and, and these stats are coming from uh, sportsreference.com and then from cfbstats.com. Uh, if we're looking at the number of 10 plus yard plays, so, you know, basically a, a, a not necessarily an explosive play, but, but something that's going to go get you a little chunk. Northwestern is seventh in the conference with 67 of such plays going so far this year. Michigan State dead last with 39. 20-plus yard plays, these are traditionally what you're looking at is is the explosive play stat. Anything over 20 yards they mark down as like an explosive play. Northwestern is uh, tied for 12th in the conference, Michigan State 11th. So no matter how you shake it up, passing, rushing, explosive plays, yards per play, these are two bad offenses. That's just the way it goes with these two teams. And then when you flip over to the defensive side, the story definitely changes. These are two pretty darn good defenses uh, you know, so far this year. If we're looking at points per game, Michigan State middle of the road at 8th, Northwestern 2nd, just under 13 points per game allowed. Uh, passing yards allowed, Northwestern again second in the conference, 215 yards per game, man. Michigan State middle of the road. Northwestern allowing barely 100 rushing yards per game and less than a touchdown per game on the ground. They're the only Big Ten team, uh, or I should say uh, Wisconsin is in there as well. So they're one of two Big Ten teams not allowing uh, more than a touchdown per game on the ground. Uh, If we're looking at total offense, uh, again, Northwestern second in the league. 314 yards per game, uh, yards per play second. So they're a tremendous defense. They're ranked top five, top six nationally, top one or two in the conference in just about every statistic. And, you know, that's where they kill you. They just suffocate you on defense. 
and they don't really require their offense to do a whole lot. Just, you know, basically get a couple points up on the board because they know their defense can do the job. Uh, the biggest stat before, you know, we start talking about some matchups and, you know, we'll, we'll get away from these numbers and statistics, but if we're looking at turnover margin, uh, Northwestern is number one in the conference with a plus eight turnover margin. Michigan State last in the conference with a minus nine turnover margin. So that's going to be a big facet of this game. Uh, Northwestern forced five turnovers last weekend against Wisconsin. That was a huge part of them winning that game. Uh, so a plus eight against a minus nine. Something's got to give there, and it's probably not going to be pretty for us. But um, that's you know something to keep an eye on. They they force a lot of turnovers and they hang on to the ball. We don't force a whole lot of turnovers, and we have a hard time hanging on to the ball. So that that's going to be something obviously to keep an eye out in, in every football game, but especially this one where the margins are, are so different. Um, this Northwestern team, look, it's it's Peyton Ramsey has made such a huge difference uh, coming in at quarterback. He he comes in as a transfer from Indiana. Obviously, Michael Penix has really taken the job there. So Peyton Ramsey enters the transfer portal, heads over to Northwestern, and really just shores up this quarterback spot. You know, he's he's a threat to do something on his legs to go get a first down. He's, he's not a dual threat guy by any stretch, um, but he can move the chains a little bit. Uh, but look, he's he's been just solid, and that's all they need from him. Again, you look at these offensive statistics on the year for the whole team. They, they don't need much. They're not relying on this offense to put up points. They just need them to move the ball down the field a little bit, um, you know, win the field position battle. And that's really all they're requiring. But Peyton Ramsey's thrown for about 62 percent, 926 yards, eight touchdowns to four interceptions. He's adding 128 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Their leading rusher, Isaiah Bowser and Drake Anderson. You're going to see a steady dose of both of those guys. They're both over 50 carries on the year. For comparison's sake, our leading rusher, Jordan Simmons, has 42. So. You know they they have two guys that are carrying the ball more than uh, more than our top guy by quite a significant margin, uh, but you know the yards per carry aren't great. Like I said, you know these top two guys they're running for three and four yards a carry. They're they're certainly not lighting the world on fire. So when you think about man, this team that runs the ball, they establish the run. Well, yeah, they run the ball. They they don't necessarily run it too well. Uh, when they are throwing it, you know they're usually going to. Uh, man, I'm going to butcher this name, but Ramad Chikao Bowman, um, he's got four touchdowns on the year, 23 receptions. Um, Kyrick McGowan is is the other guy that they're primarily going to be targeting. Those are their top two wide receivers that we're going to see. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, man, everything goes through these three linebackers who, again, they feel like they've been playing together for ages. Uh, Patty Fisher, Blake Gallagher, and Chris Bergen are three of the best linebackers in the conference. They're they're playing out of their minds this year. They're they're basically all going for double digit tackles every single week. Uh, the eyes on big guys, Big Kurt and uh, Jeffrey the Greek, they basically do the Northwestern linebacker tackle count every week. Cracks me up. But yeah, these three guys are leading the team in tackles every single week. They're they're number one, number two, and number three in tackles. They're all over ten tackles like every game. It's crazy, but these guys are all over the field in the backfield. It's it's nuts, man. Brandon Joseph, their defensive back, has five picks this year. Their defensive backfield's really experienced. Um, that was actually one of the reasons that I had them having a good season this year. I had them projected, I think, at four and four, uh, which was higher than most people had them. Most people had them with one or two wins. Uh, is that this defensive backfield's experienced and it's talented? Uh, this is a good group, so. You know, what's this matchup really going to come down to? Uh, obviously, they're going to try to suffocate you and win that field position battle. Uh, and we talked about the explosive plays where Michigan State, yeah, when you look at these like 50-yard bombs, we've had a couple of them. But when you're looking at just general chunk plays, we've been at the bottom of the conference. We just can't generate consistent 10 to 20-yard plays. It's not happening. We're having to just nickel and dime this thing one, two, three, four, five yards at a time, and that's not going to work against this Northwestern defense that's going to shut down the run. I mean, we're we're a team that we we damn know that we can't run the ball. I think we're at like 2.2 yards per carry this year. 
and Northwestern's among the best in the in the country at stopping the run. So we we know that we're going to go into this game without being able to establish any sort of running game. So we're going to have to find some chunk plays through the air. We're going to have to find some 20-yard catches, you know, just to keep the chains moving and and you know, just generate some kind of fight in the field position battle. You know, because if we keep going three and out from our own territory, punting the ball, giving it up on their 40, giving it up on the 50-yard line, you know, eventually they're going to move the ball down the field. They're going to score a couple touchdowns with the short field. We saw that against Indiana a few times. I mean, that's just what these good teams are doing. They're they're winning that field position battle, and then they're taking advantage of their opportunities. So we we got to find ways to get some chunk plays and to swing the field position a little bit, even if it's not looking for like a 60-yard bomb for a touchdown. You know, we need, if if we're deep in our own territory, we're on our own 10-yard line, and it's third down, if you can get a 25-yard chunk play there, all of a sudden that makes a huge difference in the field position battle. Even if you even if you go three and out, not three and out, but even if your drive stalls out right after that, Punting from the 30-yard line and punting from the 10-yard line is a big difference. Punting from the 50-yard line and punting from the you know 25-yard line is a big difference in the field position battle. Again, this is a Northwestern offense that's not very good. If we're putting them in bad field position, they're not going to be able to march the ball down the field 80, 90 yards and score very often. You know, We do have a pretty good, darn good defense here. And with a couple weeks off to prepare for this game, I think our defense is going to come out and be ready for this one. So can we get these defensive backs back? There there hasn't been any word of that uh, between Jackson, Gervin, Person. You know, we haven't really heard about any of these guys. Are they going to be back and healthy and ready for this week? I'm not really sure. Um, is there anybody who's going to be emerging after these two weeks off? You know, somebody who's really been lighting it up with the extended practices um, we'll we'll definitely see, but I think our defensive backfield, if we can get them healthy um, and ready in this game, I think our defense is certainly going to be able to shut them down. It's just a matter of our offense being able to generate a few chunk plays here, and and you know being able to at least flip field position, even if we're not scoring too many points. That's going to be a huge factor here. So who's going to be the quarterback? Obviously, it's going to be huge. I would think Peyton Thorne would be better suited against this this type of team. They're disciplined. They're they're just going to be in their lanes. They're going to be ready for for anything. But at any given time, when you have a quarterback who can take off and run, it gives them one more thing to think about. Um, when you're growing up against a defense this good, you, you sometimes just have to bring that wrinkle. You know, we've seen it time and time again. Alabama best coach defense in the country every single year. What beats them? Mobile quarterbacks. Uh, New England Patriots, best defensive coach team in the NFL every single year. What beats them? Mobile quarterbacks. Why? Because they they have one more thing to worry about. They have one more thing to think about. And when you have a statue back there, you know they the pass rushers know exactly what spot they need to get to. The defensive backs know exactly how long they need to cover their guys. When you have a mobile quarterback back there that extends that play, that defensive back that's that's covering man to man for three seconds. Now he has to try to cover you for six, and that's damn near impossible. So I would like to see Peyton Thorne in this matchup. I think that he could make an impact here. Um, Again, I don't think we're going to get anything going on the run game, so that's pointless to talk about. I I would be surprised if anybody on our team ran for over 50 yards. That wasn't our quarterback, honestly. Um, So we're going to need to find some of these chunk plays in the passing game, and I think that's going to be the biggest key to this game. Um, to even again even just to flip the field position so this is a a game that the the point spread right now as i'm recording this here friday or wednesday not friday wednesday afternoon it's a 13 and a half point favorite uh, northwestern is the over under is a 41 and a half which is extremely low uh so you have basically a projected score by vegas of somewhere around 27 to 14 northwestern my prediction, it's going to be pretty similar here. I'm going to go Northwestern 20, Michigan State 6. I just think we're not going to be able to move the ball. I, I think our ground game is going to get just completely eliminated right away. If we start this game off with Rocky Lombardi, I'm going to be angry. But uh, it's also going to lead to a couple turnovers, I'm guessing. 
um, and, and put them in good field position. Even if Peyton Thorne's out there, you know, he's, he's, he fumbled and threw a pick last week. You know, it's certainly, he hasn't been uh, avoiding the turnovers either. So um, I, I just think they're going to find a couple drives where we give up field position through a turnover um, through, you know, maybe they, them pinning us inside the five yard line and we go three and out and have to punt it to the 50. Um, I, I just think they're going to get a couple short fields here. They'll put a couple points up on the board, but man, I don't see how our offense gets more than a touchdown against this team. I, I really don't. Uh, their defensive backs are good enough to contain our passing game. And we're certainly not going to have anything going in the running game. Um, the, against the best linebacker core possibly in the entire country. So Michigan State losing 20-6. to six. That would be with the 13.5-point line that is just barely covering for Northwestern, and it is an, a pretty, pretty healthy under with only 26 points. I just don't see a whole lot of points getting scored in this game. It's probably the two worst offenses in the Big Ten going up against uh, arguably the best defense and a, you know, upper half of the conference defense in Michigan State. So um, that's the way I see it. Hope everybody has a, a safe Thanksgiving day. Um, if you are traveling, obviously, you know, we, we've had these restrictions. We've had the suggestions, the recommendations. Um, I'm not here to tell you what to do and what not to do. So if you are traveling, just make sure, you know, you, you be careful, keep an eye out. Make sure you're safe and, and your family is safe as well. Hope everybody does have an enjoyable Thanksgiving, whether you are spending it with family, friends, whether you're spending it alone, just with your spouse, maybe just with your dog, whatever the case may be. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Again, you know, FaceTime your family, do whatever. Make sure you, you try to find ways to communicate because, you know, it is a very special day for all of us still. Um, and hopefully... You know, if you aren't, you know, getting together with everybody, if you're going to take your dog out for a walk, if you're just kind of hanging out around the house and, and you do have some time to listen to the podcast, I do appreciate it. I am very thankful for all each and every one of you that makes this an absolute blast. I, I love doing this. I don't get paid any money to do this. I, 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 I'm a long way away from any kind of sponsorships or anything. I just, I love doing it. I have a blast every week, so... Um, I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Again, reply to this. What are you thankful for for this Michigan State football team? Have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great football weekend in general. And have yourselves a great weekend. Take care, folks.